Well, I have this announcement I'm going to give, okay? And then I'm going to turn the turn Michael, uh, then Matthew's going to share a word with us. Um, and so, and also I'm sending this announcement out in 17 minutes. It's going to be sent out automatically from my website. Just so for people who are not here this morning, they can get it. But I wanted to to make sure everybody hears this announcement. You'll hear more about this, but this is important. Uh, let me give you a little background. Um, one of the things about our church, if you don't know that yet, well, we are a presence of the Lord people, right? That's pretty pretty given. Uh, we want more, though. Yeah, amen. Another thing that the Lord spoke to us from the very beginning, that we are a missions church. Okay, and that can mean a lot of things to a lot of people, but I think it's pretty obvious uh, you know, that's something that just happens uh, because the Lord said that's who you are. You're a missions church. And so over the years, what I've seen is we really haven't had to pursue missions. The Lord has pursued us for missions. And that's a great uh, example this morning of Lizzie sharing, you know, that God's put her on a call for missions. And we have a lot of open doors. This church has many open doors in the nation's. In fact, we have so many open doors, we can't go through them all. And that's really the truth. I mean, if, if we were doing all the mission stuff that we have an invitation to do, yeah, we wouldn't be here. We'd be out there. So, you know, we've, but that's a blessing. Isn't that a blessing from the Lord? I mean, it's just remarkable, all the connections, the divine connections that God has given us. And we've really enjoyed that, and we, will, we plan to continue to enjoy that. In fact, we see that even not decreasing, but increasing. Um, but in 2003, uh, the Lord really started giving me words and putting in my heart for the state of North Carolina. And I just really started praying for North Carolina and feeling like that God has a call on this state and I'm a, a son of North Carolina. That's, that's how I feel. I'm a son in this state. And I started taking what happens in our state sort of personal. You know, you know everything that was happening from governments and that thing. And, um, and, I, and I have continued to do that. I continue to keep a, try to really keep a watch over our state because I think God has a, a destiny on North Carolina. Well, in a, you know, after a couple years of that... Um, I started hearing this uh, thing uh, like Paul experienced in uh, Acts 16 uh, when he had a dream when a man said, come over here and help us. Y'all remember that? They dream. You know, Paul had been sent out on, the, I think, the second missionary journey, and he was tr- trying to do some stuff, <laughs> but the Holy Spirit wasn't cooperating with him. Y'all know what I'm talking about. If you're gonna do the, if you're gonna serve the Lord, you're gonna find sometimes it's the Holy Spirit's gonna resist you on some things. It's His gentle way of redirecting you. He, he sort of lures you into this thing, and then when you get in the middle of it, he sort of he didn't really change the thing on it. He just he had that plan all the time. He's just drawing you into something. Uh, but Paul had a dream, and there was a man, a man in a dream said, "Come over here and help us." That was what they call the Macedonian call, y'all. That's a great reach, uh, Acts 16. Well, I started having these dreams uh, about two cities that I felt were Macedonian calls from the Lord in North Carolina. And there's more cities than that since then, but those were the two first ones. Uh, one of them was Wilmington, North Carolina, and the other one was Chapel Hill, North Carolina. And, uh, you know, we... <clears throat> tried to respond to the Lord. We did respond to that. We went and we, for about 18 months, we had meetings uh, in 
you know, regular meetings of worship and preaching or whatever you want to call it in Wilmington. And then we did some prayer meetings over in Chapel Hill. You, we did that for about 18 months. And, um, well, you know how the Lord is. I was driving in one day in 2007. You know, the Holy Spirit River was really moving mightily here. And the Lord spoke to him, and he said, you need to put that on the shelf for now, speaking about women in Chapel Hill, and focus on what I'm doing here now. I said, okay. I'm, you know, I was happy to hear that, actually, because I was sort of liking what the Holy Spirit was doing at church. So that's what we did, and, uh, you know, really enjoyed that, and still enjoying that. It's different. But surprisingly, the Lord really brought a surprise this year. Uh, in the past couple of months. And the surprise is that he began to stir the waters in Chapel Hill. That God really has not, God doesn't forget his, his promises. He doesn't forget what he wants to do. Many times um, we forget. Many times we get discouraged. Many times we get disappointed. But God doesn't. And so he began to stir the waters. And we, you know, this is an answer to prayer. A long time ago prayer, right? <laughs> That's what it felt like. Suddenly God's answering our prayers from a long time. Prayers that we may have even forgotten that we were praying. And so what we feel is the Lord really wants to, uh, maybe, in the, maybe, I'm saying maybe because, you know, you know how the Holy Spirit is. You know, he may change things as we go. But we say in maybe within a year that there will be a River Life Chapel Hill. Isn't that awesome? And so, uh, Matthew and Sarah will be the pastor of that church. Yeah, yeah. And so, they're going to start having meetings, uh, monthly meetings up there starting, starting, an, starting October. And, and what we're doing is uh, asking people to be praying um, and asking, you know, we're going to be trying to recruit a team of people from here and from Chapel Hill and from the four corners of the earth, really, where Lord blow them in. But, so our, 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 our goal right now is just to sort of go and, and see what, how, how the doors are open, see what God does. Uh, as If the Lord does, you know, if that can, gains momentum, Matthew and Sarah will be re- relocating to Chapel Hill, and, you know, that will be a, become a full-fledged River Life congregation. Amen? Isn't that good news? So, um, so really right now, you know, the only thing we could, that's really about all we know, just prayer, lots of prayer, lots of lots of prayer, uh, because this thing takes a lot of prayers, and so I'm going to let Matthew come up, and he's going to give his message, and oh, they put the new, the, we already have a new logo, River Life Chapel Hill. Come on. Whoa. And it's Carolina blue. Woo! Glad we didn't do a dark blue in that logo. That would have been really bad. But we're just so excited. And I'm telling you, um, a few weeks ago, Judy Ball got up on the microphone and said, We just got back from Chapel Hill. And the next thing I know, we're talking. She's setting up a meeting for me with these strategic people. We go down there a couple of weeks ago after a year-long trail of prophetic words and confirmations from the Lord. And we sit down. I thought I was just going to go meet a few new people at Caribou. We walk in in this private study room at Caribou Coffee, and the Holy Spirit comes. 
I mean, this Jewish lady pulls out a bottle of anointing oil and I'm like, hold myself up against the wall. And next thing I know, by the end of the meeting, they had given $35.46 in our first offering. I was like, I didn't come here to take up an offering or have any kind of meeting. And uh, so uh, this lady there, we're setting up a meeting this month at her house um, in October. I'll let you know if anybody wants to go down there with us and be a part of this meeting. And, uh, but really the biggest thing you could do is sign up to be on our prayer team. Cause we just want to pray this thing in, you know what I'm saying? I know it's God and I know that it's the timing of the Lord. We've had that confirmed over and over, but there are 30,000 undergraduate college students in this town of Chapel Hill, North Carolina. And the lady that we, one of those people we met with in the coffee shop, she goes, Matthew and Sarah, Chapel Hill is a family town. There's lots of families here who need a church, who need a place of the Holy Spirit to just be poured out. And that's, that's basically a summary of what she was telling us. And our hearts just came so alive in this thing. And uh, so we're just really excited. And uh, it's going to be kind of bittersweet to leave this place. But hey, can you imagine with me a church just like this, two hours up 85 in Chapel Hill, full of the glory and the presence and the worship, like what Lizzie was testifying of, we can give away that DNA to a whole generation that's going to take the gospel to the ends of the earth. And we're going to have a branch, the headquarters of the Adventure School is going to be there, and we're just going to go, and we're going to preach, and we're going to heal the sick, and we're going to see the gospel ministry go throughout the earth. And you guys... Get to be a part of it. Isn't that exciting? You get to be a part, an integral part of this incredible church that's going to be knit together with this church. And that, that's the bottom line. That's what I'm the most excited about. So if the Lord speaks to you about going, you know, whatever, hey, get your word from the Lord. Come talk to us. We'd love to hear from you. But uh, our heart's pretty set on it, and uh, the Lord will just have to make it happen. You know, so... If anybody wants to buy a house, or <laughs> I'm just so blessed. Man, Lizzie, that was awesome. You make me want to cry, girl. Lizzie Bell. Proud of you. Gosh, that girl got up and preached. I was like, man, I don't even need to get up here this morning. That was some good stuff. But turn with me in your Bible to Matthew chapter 14, or in your iPhone, e-Bible, or your iPad, whatever. If you didn't bring anything, it's up there on the screen. But uh, I've had this message marinating in my spirit for several weeks now. I was supposed to, uh, to preach a few weeks ago, but I felt like Becky really needed to get out of her introduction to her message and be able to give the whole thing. So I'm like, Becky, I'm supposed to you take it. You know, I convinced her. And <laughs> but... Uh, I was out um, running this morning, early about dawn, on our beautiful farm. The sun was coming up, and uh, the Lord spoke this to me, and I just pressed my little audio headphones thing there so I could write on my notepad without stopping running. And here's what he said. He said, Matthew, encounters with God transform your identity. Encounters with God transform your identity and when your identity changes you come into 
a deeper revelation and understanding of who you are as a son and as a daughter. It all begins with encounters. We were here Friday night, and I was walling around there on the floor, about right here. And man, the Lord reminded me of who I was. Remember who you are. This week, Marlon and Byron and I were talking about where we are spiritually and the growth in our lives and stuff. And we're like, how did we get here? And the only thing we could figure out, because Byron's like, I can't really tell anybody. But the only thing we could figure out is that we have come into continual encounters with a living God that imputes into our DNA his DNA. And as that DNA shifts, then you understand who you are. And that kingdom authority resides deep down inside of you. So you can go to places like India or to the ends of the earth, and you can lay your hands on the sick and you'll see them recover. I mean, you can go to a place like Chapel Hill and you just know, I don't really have to do anything. I'm not going there. We're not going there to hype something up or the latest fad in church growth. We're going there to just release who we are and be who we are, and God's going to do the rest. I was talking with a friend recently, and he told me a powerful testimony. He said uh, he said he was actually worshiping at another church, and uh, this was before coming to River Life. And um, for years, he had uh, been, you know, in non-Holy Spirit-filled churches and had been a strong Christian for years and years, for decades, actually. He said, but Matthew, I'm worshiping in this church, and I look at this person on the stage leading worship, and all of a sudden, it's like scales fell from my eyes. He's like, and all of a sudden, I could see things in the spirit world that I couldn't see before that. And it's absolutely created a hunger for things in my life. How did that happen? It happened through an encounter. You could not teach that into somebody. You know what they say about great athletes? It's like you can't teach talent. You can't teach somebody how to run real fast or jump real high or catch that ball at just the peak of where you need to go. You can't teach that. You're either born with it or you aren't. And you see, God, right here this morning, for each one of you sitting here and, hey, back there in the back. Hey, I see you back there. Okay. Ricky back there. All right. (laughs) Sometimes I want to preach from up here just so I can see everybody. But right here this morning, the Father has ordained that you and I come into encounter after encounter after encounter with him so that our identity shifts and we're forever changed by knowing who we are. I know this is a message you've heard a lot, but I think it's so essential, especially for those of you who are maybe newer to the church or just trying to figure out what in the world we're talking about, you know, what in the world we're doing. This is kind of a crucial time. So in Matthew 14, let me just start at verse 1. We're just going to look at two passages today, Matthew 14, then I'm going to jump over to Judges chapter 6. It says, at that time, Herod the Tetrarch heard the report about Jesus and said to his servants, this is John the Baptist. 
He is risen from the dead, and therefore these powers are at work in him. I think Herod, Herod was a wicked guy, no doubt. He gets press from uh, theologians as being a little bit like off his rocker, a little crazy, and perhaps he was. But I think that Herod was actually, he was seeing something. He was like, oh no, <laughs> I know what I've done, and look what's happened now. This is, this is John the Baptist. He's risen from the dead. So this is in the present tense, and then in verse 3, it goes back in time and tells you the story. And it says, For Herod had laid hold of John, bound him, put him in prison for the sake of Herodias, his brother Philip's wife, because John had said to him, It is not lawful for you to have her. And although he wanted to put him to death, he feared the multitude because they counted him as a prophet. But when Herod's birthday was celebrated, the daughter of Herodias danced before them and pleased Herod. There he, for he promised with an oath to give her whatever she might ask. So she, having been prompted by her mother, said, Give me John the Baptist's head here on a platter. And the king was sorry. Nevertheless, because of the oaths and because of those who sat with him, he commanded it to be given to her. So he sent and had John beheaded in prison. And his head was brought on a platter and given to the girl, and she brought it to her mother. Then his disciples, Jesus' disciples, came and took away the body and buried it and went and told Jesus. How do you think Jesus felt at that moment? That was his cousin, his first cousin, John. He was just informed, your cousin has been murdered. In verse 13, and when Jesus heard it, he departed from there by boat to a deserted place by himself. Have you ever felt like that? I just need to be alone right now. I just need to be by myself. I'm, I'm going to mourn. I'm going to go and grieve. But the multitudes heard about Jesus being in town. They followed him on foot from the cities. And when Jesus went out, he saw a great multitude, and he was moved with compassion for them. And what did he do? He healed their sick. He healed their sick. That phrase there, moved with compassion, it means to be moved with deep compassion or pity. Deep compassion or pity. And that's exactly what Jesus was going through in this moment. When it was evening, his disciples came to him saying, This is a deserted place and the hour is already late. Send the multitudes away that they may go into the villages and buy themselves some food. But Jesus looked at them as like, They don't need to go away. You give them something to eat. And they're like, Give them, you want me to give them something to eat? What? What is up with this dude? I mean, I know we're mourning the loss of our friend, but you want me to give them something to eat? And he said to them, we have only here five loaves and two fish. Bring them here. He commanded the multitudes to sit down on the grass. He took the loaves, the two fish, looking up to heaven. He blessed and broke and gave the loaves to the disciples, and the disciples gave to the multitudes. So they, they all ate and were filled, 
And they took up 12 baskets full of the fragments that remained. Now those who had eaten were about 5,000 men besides women and children, so probably closer to 10,000 people. You see, the disciples didn't understand who they were. They didn't understand the identity, the DNA that had been placed in them. And Jesus is saying to them, listen, you give them something to eat. They didn't know what to do. So immediately, Jesus made his disciples get into the boat and go before him to the other side while he sent the multitudes away. Then he, and when he had sent the multitudes away, he went up on the mountain by himself to pray. Now, maybe some time has passed here. I'm not exactly sure. Maybe he's gone through the grieving and the mourning process. Or perhaps it's still right here within a 24-hour or 48-hour period. Again, he's looking for an opportunity to get away. He's like, finally, I can go and I can be with my father. Verse 23. Sorry, verse 24. But the boat was now in the middle of the sea, tossed by the waves, For the wind was contrary. Now in the fourth watch of the night, Jesus went to them, walking on the sea. And when the disciples saw him walking on the sea, they were troubled, saying, It's a ghost! And they cried out for fear. So, here's the scenario. They're out there on the boat, on the sea. Jesus is up on the mountain, finally gets some downtime. And he's like, oh man. There they go again. They're in trouble. Guys, come on. It's like, well, I tell you what, I'll go help them out. So he starts walking out to them on the wind and the waves. And what are they doing? Ah! Terrified out of their minds. But immediately Jesus spoke to them saying, be of good cheer. It's I. Do not be afraid. And Pete, you know, good old Pete. Got to love Peter. He answered and said, Lord, if it is you, command me to come to you on the water. I wonder if Jesus just for a moment was going, if. What are you talking about, Pete? What do you mean, if it's me? It's me, Peter. If it's you, Lord, command. It's me. Come. Come out there. It's me. Come on. And when Peter had come down out of the boat, he walked on the water to go to Jesus. But what happened? But when he saw that the wind was boisterous, he was afraid. And beginning to sink, he cried out saying, Lord, save me. And immediately Jesus stretched out his hand and caught him and said to him, Oh, you of little faith, why did you doubt? Keeping our eyes on him. We sang that song, Come to Me. Earlier this summer, I was out jogging another morning. And I was jogging down our road. And I just, I had a vision in my mind. Where I could just see Jesus standing out on the wind and the waves of my life. And he was just doing like this. Come on. Come on. 
Take another step. Come on. You can do it, Matthew. You can do it. And I just continually see Jesus doing that in my life. Every time I need to know the next step, I just look in him. I just look in his eyes and I see him just waving me on. Just waving me on. And he says, don't look to the right or don't look to the right or to the left, but just keep your eyes on me. Don't look at the wind of life or what's going on with the government so much. Just keep your eyes on me. Yeah, maybe the government shut down, but my kingdom is an eternal kingdom. It will never fail you. Don't look to the government. Keep your eyes on me. Yeah, maybe people have died in your life. Keep your eyes on me. I've been there too, bro. I can tell you, I know what it's like. I know the pain. Keep your eyes on me. Just keep coming. Just keep walking. Just keep walking. I saw him wave me on to Chapel Hill. Just keep coming, Matthew. Just keep coming on over here. There's going to be a whole generation of young people and, and families that need the revelation that you guys carry. Just keep on coming. Well, Lord, how, how am I going to do this? Just... <laughs> Pastor Marlon, please come. <laughs> Poppy Daniel in India. Please come, Pastor Martin. Bring a powerful word. What am I going to say, Lord? Just come. And what happened? Well, Jesus said, Peter, it's your faith. You have little faith. Why did you doubt? Because if you just keep looking at me and keep looking at me to wave you on, you're not going to sink. Don't worry about the wind of the waves. And when they got into the boat, can you believe we did a whole chapter already? Almost. And when they got into the boat, the wind ceased. Isn't that something? Then those who were in the boat came and worshipped him, saying, Truly you are the Son of God. Truly you are. When the storms blow, keep your eyes on him. And as he steps into your life, as he steps into your boat, what's going to happen? The wind and the waves are going to cease. So what happened right after that? Verse 34. When they crossed over, they came to the land of Gennesaret. And when the men of that place recognized him, they sent out into all that surrounding region, brought to him all who were sick. How many sick people did they bring? Thousands, probably multiple thousands, all who were sick in that whole region, they brought to Jesus and begged him that they might only touch the hem of his garment. See, we think about the woman with the issue of blood that grabbed out and started to touch the hem of his garment club. And that's a good story. The word must have gotten around. Word got out. This dude, I'm telling you, if you can just grab a hold of his shirt, you'll get healed. What do we see in the book of Acts? A shadow. Whose shadow? Same guy in this story. 
the one Jesus said, you have little faith. He just walks past people and they get powerfully healed of all their affliction. (laughs) That's pretty awesome, isn't it? As many as touched his garment were made perfectly well. One of my favorites, you maybe heard me talk about him before, is good old Gid. Judges chapter 6. Good old Gideon. Chuck, you got a friend named Gid, don't you? An Amish fella. Oh, man. See, there's a lot of Gideons in this room. Okay, and as we hear this, as we read this story, I want you to hear the Spirit of God calling your name. Okay? Let me give you a little background. The Jews have been slaves for 430 years in Egypt. God delivered them through the hand of Moses. Right? Across the Red Sea. They come out. They wander for 40 years in the desert. Because that generation would not believe, they all died in the desert and a new generation rose up of which Joshua would lead them. Right? God again parted the Jordan River and they walked across on dry land into the promised land. Then they went into an era of the period of the judges. It was God's government in their land. It was where God was the king. And the judges were really like prophets that spoke the word of the Lord and would judge the people according to the commands of God. All right? However, the, the Israelites had forgotten the hand of their Lord. Okay? And because of his great love, remember this. Americans, because of the Father's grace and his love, he allowed the Midianites to come and ravage the land. And they were just absolutely destroying everything, taking all their crops. And that's where we pick up, let's see here. um, Anyway, it's a really bad time. And they've, again, cried out to the Lord, deliver us. Let's pick up in verse 11. Now the angel of the Lord came and sat under the terebinth tree, which was in Ophrah. Not Oprah, but Ophrah. And this is actually a theophany. This was like the fourth man in the furnace with Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego. This was Jesus came because in the beginning was the word. And the Word was God and the Word was with God. John says that. So Jesus came here, I believe. And you can look that up and argue with the theologians. I'd be happy if it was an angel. He came and he sat down under the terebinth tree at Ophrah, which belonged to Joash, while his son Gideon threshed wheat in the winepress in order to hide it from the Midianites. Does this guy sound really courageous to you? Does this guy sound really bold and like a mighty man of faith? He's hiding out. He's just trying to stomp out a little wheat in a wine press to hide it from the big bad Midianites, who he knew would come and take every last tax dollar. Oops, I didn't mean to say that. And Jesus appeared to him. Jesus appeared to him on the water. 
The wind and the waves are blowing around him. I'm just making a parallel with what we just read in Matthew 14. Jesus appears to him. And what does he speak to him? He speaks the very words of identity. He called forth the real Gideon of which he was born to be. And he said to him, the Lord is with you, you mighty man of valor. Micah liked that. That was for you, Micah. (laughs) Really, my wife works out. (laughs) Gideon said to him, Oh, my Lord, if the Lord is with us, why then has all this happened to us? And where are all his miracles, which our fathers told us about? Did not the Lord bring us up out of Egypt? What's up? Whoever you are. Telling me I'm a mighty man of valor. If that's true, if it's you, Jesus, call me out on the waves. Call me out on the water. Praise the Lord. That was perfect timing. But now the Lord has forsaken us and delivered us into the hands of the Midianites. Has anybody ever felt forsaken? You don't, don't raise your hand. You don't have to. Has anybody ever felt like, okay, God, well, if you're so good and you're so powerful, then why have all these bad things happened? Why do bad things happen to good people like me, Lord? Jesus has got a sense of humor. He just ignored the statement. He didn't even answer the question. Then the Lord turned to him. See the Lord. The Lord turned to him and said, this blows my mind. Go in this might of yours. And you shall save Israel from the hand of the Midianites. Have I not sent you? What? What might exactly are you talking about, Jesus? Because I ain't feeling no might. I'm feeling like a puny little guy just chomping out some wheat, just trying to feed my family. Hello. Now, check out this next question. So he said to him, all right, okay, oh, my Lord, how how can I save Israel? How am I going to do this? I'm not smart enough. I'm not good looking enough. Maybe you don't even like Chapel Hill. (laughs) No, I do, actually. Um, Whatever it is, you're the wrong everything. You're too skinny. You're too fat. You're too tall. You're too short. You're too ugly. You can't speak good. You can barely speak English. Much less Swahili and God's calling you to go to Africa and preach. You know, how is this going to happen? Besides, my clan is the weakest in Manasseh, and I am the least in my father's house. And the Lord said to him, and here's the word of the Lord that you can take to the bank every day of the week. Surely I will be with you, and you shall defeat the Midianites 
as one man. (laughs) It makes it a whole different scenario when it's Jesus in the story, doesn't it? Surely, I'm going to be with you, and you're going to defeat the enemy just as one man. Then he said to him, this is Gideon, if now I have found favor in your sight. See, don't you see a process? Like you see this hardened, angry, disappointed, sorrowful soul who's really a mighty man of valor, a mighty man of war. And he's come through this process with Jesus. And Jesus has gotten to the real him. And now it's like he's softening and says, If now I've found favor in your sight, then show me a sign that it is you who talk with me. Do not depart from here, I pray, until I come to you and bring out my offering and set it before you. And he said, I will wait until you come back. So he goes through this whole scenario with the Lord. You know, some of you, you've been testing the Lord. Well, if this is really you, God, then, you know, do this or do that. But just like Peter, you're, you're looking around you. Oh, 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 there you are, Jesus. Oh, man. I don't know. I don't, I don't think I can do this. This is impossible. But Jesus said, ah, ah, just keep your eyes right here. It's me and you. It's me and you. Angel experienced this in Africa, didn't you? Just keep your eyes on me, angel. Just keep walking. And God exploded in his goodness. God's going to explode in goodness in your life. If you will receive your identity from the right source. Because it's encounters that bring us into a fresh revelation of who he is. Bill Johnson says that any revelation that doesn't bring us into an encounter with God only serves to make us more religious. Revelation or things revealed to you from the heart of God were intended to bring you into an encounter with God. Why do we need encounters with God? Because encounters with God change the whole history of human events. From the day of Pentecost in the book of Acts chapter 2 to keep on going to Azusa Street to the outpouring in Toronto to 06 Holy Spirit River, as Becky spoke on, being poured out here. All of these encounters are bringing us to the next thing of what God's intended in His sovereign plan. But the cool thing about it is, we get to be a part of God's plan. His plan is going to work. He's not sweating it. But He's picking you. And He's like, please come. Please come, Joel. You get to participate. Oh, he doesn't want you to go, oh, little old me? I get to participate? Woo! He's like, 
Arise, you mighty man of valor. You see that sword in your hand? Take it up. Come with me. I've got an assignment for you. Then he turns and he goes, now, son, you give them something to eat. And then we're not sitting back dumbfounded going, huh? Like a whole year's wages couldn't buy these crowd enough food. We're like, ah, okay, father. Yeah, gotcha. I gotcha. Yes, sir. I'm moving on. Gideon. Rising up. Rising up. Rising up. Rise up out of the ashes of your life. Rise up. And the king has come. The king has come and he wants to use you and I to impart the kingdom of his glorious son through his bride. It's kingdom authority. It resides in us. So why don't you guys just stand up with me? I know as sure as I'm breathing that there's a bunch of people in here that are Gideons. This church is like a Gideon church. In other words, there is incredible power and authority, but there are some of us, there's been a lot of us that have kind of shrunk back. Okay, and I want to call out that Gideon inside of you this morning. And there's, there's many in here also who's like, you're in a season of your life where you need to see Jesus out on the wind and waves of life going. And when you see that, don't look to the right or to the left. Just keep your eyes on him. Okay? If we can have our ministry come up here and if you would like ministry, Somebody to stand with you, to believe with you, or maybe you're here this morning and you've never been born again. What does that mean? You've never had a spiritual heart transplant to where you wanted to do the right things. Okay, and so you're hearing this word this morning and there's this little pounding on your heart. That's the Holy Spirit. And he's saying, open up the door and let me in. Just come up here and tell one of these people, say, listen, I need to be born again. I need to have a spiritual heart transplant, or I need to rededicate my life to Christ this morning. Come up here, come up here and follow Jesus. It'll be the best decision you've ever made. Let me pray for you this morning. Holy Spirit, we thank you that you brought us into all truth, that you revealed the Son. Father God, we just thank you that you're a good God. And I pray for those here this morning that are hurting. God, that uh, just feel like they're not the real them. That they can think back at times that they were once on fire, that they were once walking in destiny. But now it's like, where is that person? Come forth, Gideon. Come forth, Gideon. Come forth, Gideon, right now. Into your destiny. And for those who are in a season of life where they need to see you, they need to see you on the wind and waves. Jesus, I just ask you to come. Bring them into a fresh encounter today. In Jesus' precious name, everybody said, amen. So if if any of those fit you, come on up here and get prayer from this awesome people. Be blessed. Have a wonderful day.